This is the Untitled Film Project Podcast. Today, we talk Air, the Ben Affleck movie, a look at the inside gamble for Nike's basketball division to get Michael Jordan's endorsement of their sneakers through the eyes of dealmaker Sonny Vaccaro. Hello, Mrs. Mrs. Jordan. Uh, my name's Sonny Vaccaro. I'm with Nike. I believe Mr. Falk made it clear that we weren't interested. Do you typically make it a habit of showing up at people's front doors unannounced? Well, maybe the worst of all my faults, and believe me, there are many, but <laughs> I, I don't like to take no for an answer. And I actually think your son should be endorsed by someone with that exact mindset. Air with an all-star cast. Let's get initial takes. Justin Bradford. I loved it. <laughs> I, it's really difficult for me to sum it up because I loved this, and I enjoyed it so much. It's... To me, when you have a movie to where you know what the finished product's going to be, which is, yeah, he signs the deal to get the Air Jordan. That creates a challenge for a writer to make it that much more intriguing for you as the watcher of, well, I know how this is going to end. How are you going to get me to the end? Is it a straight line? Is it, you know, shoots and ladders? How are you going to get me right. to, to the finish of this story where we know Michael Jordan signs the deal with Nike and history is made that changes more than just the shoe, but how athletes get paid for using their their likeness as what well. changes so much. Changes in a couple industry. industries, yeah, a couple industries like that. So the writing was incredible. The screenplay is great. For me, it's very early in the year, but in terms of ensemble cast, uh, yeah, this is at the top. Uh, for that, you have Matt Damon, who is incredible in his role. I mean, I loved his the, his delivery of comedic lines without forcing the comedy behind it. Ben Affleck directed and starred in. Jason Bateman was was Jason Bateman. Marlon Wayans, Chris Tucker, I thought was fantastic. It was so great to see him on screen. What a great surprise to see him! Oh yeah, in, in that kind of a role, it was good. Oh, it was great. Viola Davis. I mean, we we saw so much great acting skill in this movie. But again, I was just drawn to it because I love sports. I love marketing, and to see these types of things, the story told together was great. The soundtrack. The soundtrack was incredible of 80s music. Really it was good. so fantastic. And just the overall take on this movie, whether it's fully 100% historically accurate or not, I enjoyed the movie because the way they took me from the beginning to the end of the story and told it without making Michael Jordan the actual center of this, without showing <laughs> who they had filling in as his body double. They yep. made it about the shoe, about the marketing aspect, the business aspect, and I absolutely love the way they did that. And major props as is the first production for Artist Equity, the new production company from Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. I think they kicked it off very, very well in terms of being able to profit share amongst creators. That's big future ahead for that production company, I believe. And kind of a tie-in to what the movie does about representation 100%. and how people get paid. Uh, so, I mean, they're doing that in real life, and they did it in this movie as well. Uh, this is Jim. My initial take on this movie is it is very hard to make a movie about somebody getting intellectual property rights and endorsements and stuff <laughs> and lawyers and, and things like that into a movie. And I was so not satisfied. I I am going to be an island on this one. But here's the movie in a nutshell. Sonny, we can't spend all the money on the Nike basketball division for Michael Jordan. Who cares about him? Besides, he won't sign with us anyways. I think he should, and I will get him to sign. No, you won't. Mrs. Jordan, will you sign? Yes. Done. That was it for the movie. Like, I, 
I don't, maybe I don't have tremendous love for Michael Jordan. Uh, he's one of the greatest athletes of all time, but like he's not special in my heart. Like, you know, I, I just acknowledge that. Uh, I don't have a huge appetite for sports marketing. So maybe this, you know, this movie, it, it didn't hit me in any of my special areas. I thought this was a movie where I think a bunch of 50-year-old famous actors got together. Mom had a chest up in the attic that had some costumes, some fake mustaches, and some <laughs> wigs from a couple of decades ago. And they said, let's have fun. I thought everybody played themselves, with the exception of a few. Chris Tucker, maybe. <laughs> I was not enchanted with air. Wow. I uh, wasn't expecting that. Um, I knew you wouldn't. I don't even know where to even go from here. <laughs> Jeremy Gover. And when they talk about pretension... <laughs> My picture pops up in your feed. Jim. Uh, okay, so just so I can get my mind on straight, I'm going to forget you never said any of that. Yeah, please. And I'm just going to do my... Just talk to me. Talk to me. Okay, all right. Talk all to right. me. Just, all right. just talk to me. Okay. You ready? Jeremy, what did you think about air? I loved it. That's great. Okay. End of episode. <laughs> no, no, okay. So, uh, dire Straits to kick off... The that the money for nothing song to kick off the whole film the way they mm-hmm. did it was incredible. The music, the jump cuts to the Rolodex and the skateboard and like all these eighties things, it put me in summer of nineteen eighty four. It put me there, and I thought that was and it did it with like no words. It was just two minutes of Dire Straits, the opening riff, the opening credits or whatever you want to call it, billboarding whatever, and then. Just scene setting with no dialogue. I thought it was just tremendous. I love how they got a little his- they got little historical pieces in there, just with some quick dialogue, like the name of the lady who created the swoosh, the fact that Nike got started by being shoes out of Phil Knight's car, Adidas and Hitler, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I'm sure Adidas loves that. By or, the way, sorry, Adidas, Adidas, uh, Adidas. <laughs> Yes. yes. If, if I, I ever watching something internationally, yes, it's, yeah, it's always Adidas. Yes, which is US. more fun to say, actually. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really great storytelling in the sense that, yes, you absolutely did b- boil it down to its essence for sure. But the sense that how they built it, the fact that I was drawn in right from the beginning without any dialogue, there was no disposition. It was just like, this is where you're at. It's the summer of 84. Let's go for a ride on this thing. And I agree with you, Bradford, that it's very hard to, as a sports fan, I know what's going to happen. Sure. There's no question. The outcome is but already you still in your head. need to get me to believe everything I'm seeing. And they did that for the most part. I was still nervous in the marketing presentation to the Jordan family. I was like, they ultimately are sold, but, oh, come on, please don't fail, guys. Like, why? I know. I know what's going to end with them getting the deal done. Well, I'll go one more. I'll, I'll go one layer deeper. I, so the marketing team, Jason Bateman's character, he creates a pitch, like a video, oh, right? Yeah. And it's bombing mm-hmm. in the room. Like, it's bombing bad. Like Michael Jordan's just completely just disinterested. Right. Okay, so I am a marketer by trade. That's what I do for a living. Yeah. I, I felt every bit of that. Oh, I felt it in my heart. I've <laughs> never bombed like that in an idea, but I- I you, could, but it I, was secondhand cringe. Yes, I'm like, oh god, dude, save just it, stop save it. it, save it, just stop it, just uh, pretend the tape blew up. I mean, just do something, get out of it, and then Matt Damon comes to the rescue, and of course, he does. He's great. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. It's 
I, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I cannot wait to see it again. Jim, yes. why are you the way you are? <laughs> My son asked me that. He goes, why are you like this? That's what he says to me all the time. Somebody has to be. And no, I just, no, I no, no nobody does. No, 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 no. Wait, I'm always the one that brings this up because I'm always curious about numbers. When it has scores like 92 critic and 98 audience, you're not just on an island. You're off planet. All right. I'm going to say that most of those critics are male and grew up in a certain era and I think are overly nostalgic for this content and material. I do have that in my notes. Can we just bring it up now then? Let's do it. Okay. So when the movie is wrapping up and the credits are playing and I'm walking out of the theater, I'm thinking to myself, would I feel the same way about this movie if this were about Wilt Chamberlain or John Morant? Michael Jordan, this is in my wheelhouse. I grew up with Michael Jordan posters, and Michael Jordan was the, he is the greatest basketball player of all time. And that's my era. I watched all those championships that he won. I watched him go to the Birmingham Barons and play baseball when he couldn't play basketball anymore. Right. And then he came back to bed. I watched all of that. So I have an intimate knowledge as much as I could. I was a hockey guy, but as much as I could with that era. Okay. So I'm well aware of all the players they're talking about. John Stockton and Carl Blood, they're all all of that. So I started thinking, like, would I feel this in love with this movie if it was about Will Chamberlain, which is 15 years before Jordan, or Jean Morant, which is 15, 20 years after Jordan? And I don't know if I would. But let me counter that with, did either of those have deals that changed the business You're world? taking it too literally. I'm simply I, saying this, I know, the but, romanticism of the story. Yes, there is. The nostalgia is there, but there's a bigger reason why they're telling the story from a business perspective. For sure. Which makes me feel more connected to right. it as well, as a marketer myself, too. Yeah. That I was, yeah, I love Michael Jordan. I grew up watching him. I'd do my own things when I'm watching the, the finals as a kid and folding socks and throwing them into a laundry basket and like Air Jordan doing yes. that, right? Yes. So the nostalgia is 100% a big reason why it's being so so well received i would hope yeah. that would not be why well it's going to that's what they're banking on with so many millennials and, and younger gen xers when you think about it too that's where the money is then why was that not this. that way why is that why does that rationale not carry over to the super mario movie then when the critics are 48 50 and it's all nostalgic for almost everybody not just sports lovers of that era you see what i'm saying like it doesn't make any sense to me i would hope because they took the nostalgia out of the super mario movie they're not just using it now for air. I would hope that it would be the same. But they're two different types of movies, too. Yeah. Oh, that, that's fair. Very different no, types that's, of movies. That's so, but, but my reason behind this is why it wouldn't be the same is because what I enjoyed personally out of this is how it changed the landscape of sports, too. How this deal itself changed it for all the future players are going to sign deals, which they don't mean address until the final 10 minutes, really. Sure. Of the True. film, but it changes so much in the whole industry too. And I, I know that's not important to a lot of people, but that's what made me enjoy it more was that aspect of this deal changed the entire world of how merchandise works, how personal likeness works. It's not just a contract you're getting some money. No, they're getting themselves set for life when they sign a deal like this. Michael Jordan. It was a paradigm shift. Paradigm shift. Making money now and will continue to make money for his family through end of time kind of thing. But he's always going to be making money. He set himself up for that. And that was between Michael Jordan and his mom and them thinking of the future as well. And I really enjoy that part of the story is that they're doing this to tell that story of how Michael Jordan himself is having the forethought to think of the future for himself and what could happen. Mm -hmm. 
he changed the world. He changed the world. He changed the shoe industry, changed basketball, changed more. And this wasn't even dealing with the sport itself. He also just, cast his mother in this movie. That yeah, was the, one of the demands of Viola Davis was mm, going to be his mom. And I love mom. that. I also think a lot of people are in love with the idea of the historical, you know, how this changed and everything. And I think being in love with what happened in real life and in time, I can't give the movie the credit for changing representation and deal endorsements and how it changed no, the game. No, can't. So while it was telling that story, I, I think the story is more important than the movie and I didn't give the movie, I think some people give the movie credit for, uh, there was just something about this movie that I think people were just handing over all of their loves, okay? This overlaps a whole bunch of people what they love, mm-hmm. and it gave you what what you wanted. I think as a movie, Ben Affleck is a pretty good director. I think he's a very good director in era movies. I mean, look at Argo. Mm-hmm. Okay, also an 80s movie, very well done. Story you already know the story to. Much more compelling for me because lives were at stake and not just like how much money am I going to make and is this going to be a different deal than all the other deals before it. I mean, it's not a bad movie. I just think also if you take somebody who just has never cared about sports and you show them this movie, I think they'll go, "Hmm, I'm sort of interesting." Because they're not already invested in Michael Jordan, rights, sports marketing, all those things. So here's the confession I got to make, because this might put something in perspective. Maybe two days before I saw Air, I watched Tetris, the movie that has been streamed Mm -hmm. now on Apple Plus, which is also about how the heck are we going to obtain the intellectual property rights for for this (laughs) game, right? So it's a very similar scenario. It's kind of a crappy movie. It doesn't tell it very well. I also think it's a more interesting story, even though they didn't do as good a job with it as Air did mm. with the Nike story. So I think maybe that's hanging in the back of my head. I'm going like, you know, look, you're telling stories about property rights, stuff lawyers spend, you know, hours on, the tedium. Yes, they did help it with the soundtrack. I think uh, I think it helped it with the cinematography. It was beautiful. Richard Richardson, uh, he's worked on things like uh, some JFK films, Emancipation, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's done some Tarantino stuff. Uh, So, I mean, it looked great. Uh, It sounded great. They did, I think, a lot of the right things. Still wasn't engaging enough of a drama, and the stakes weren't high enough to pull me in. In one of the movies that you mentioned, Jim, Argo, yourself. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the actors in this movie. Who played against type the most? I don't know if this directly answers that question, but I have in my notes here. I had a real hard time seeing not Ben Affleck in a silly wig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a uh, um, as Phil Knight, CEO of Nike. Every time he was on screen, I thought he, he the, the dialogue back and forth was heated. It was great. It had that. That, mm-hmm. that that heaviness to it, for sure. I'm not saying anything about his acting, but I, I could not get past that's Ben Affleck. That Whereas was... Matt Damon, for example, who I've seen in a lot more stuff and like a lot more, so maybe that's part of it, I guess. Sure. But he was Sonny Vaca- He was that guy after, I don't know, a couple scenes. 
I totally bought in. My brain did not see Matt Damon anymore. Ben Affleck, every time he was on screen, all I could think of is, that's Ben Affleck. And I think that was part of the problem with me, too, is when I talked about the guys playing dress-up, is I just saw the actors being those actors. And it was hard for me to step out of that. Uh, maybe there was too many well-known people playing characters in this movie. That's possible. Who knows? I did love Chris Tucker, though. I thought Chris... I didn't see... Uh, Chris didn't Tucker's see. another guy that he just... Wasn't, he wasn't Chris Tucker anymore after the first scene. To me, he was a standout. Okay. He I, was great. I, he voiced some things that I think needed to be said mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he did them in a very, I think, very entertaining way, but meaningful. So I'm going to give him, I, I probably think he was the most against type in this movie and probably why I gravitated towards him instead of seeing all the other actors as the actor, as the people that they are outside of the industry. How do we feel about not using Michael? Like loved not, it. You did love I it. I love that decision. Okay. I think it was the right one. Okay. The movie was not supposed to be about him, and we would, even more so, based on the previous topic you just discussed, would have been comparing the actor, if he really looked like Michael Jordan when he was younger, that, that would have distracted the audience, I believe, mm-hmm. more than anything else. I think there was a certain point where I really liked it. I'd say probably the first 75% of the film. I was like, okay, I get what they're doing. They're doing it kind of artistic job of not showing his face but then there it's him like he's in the room right you can't not have him in the room i think during the nike pitch i think that's when it was after he kind of like box at the bombing marketing reel yeah that was fine but i think from that moment on i was like there's something missing i want to see i want it to pay off maybe that's what it is i want it to pay off i want to see who michael jordan is yeah, to speak. He only has one. Who only has one line in the whole film anyway? And that's on the phone when he says hello. Yeah, right at the end. Could he use de aging technology. Well, well see, I'm not saying I'm, gonna go, I'm not saying I got to go all Mark Hamill Mandalorian but, on him. But oh, that's exactly what I was going to mention. Is I think that probably they didn't want to go CGI de aging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Jordan. That's why I'm fine with the decision. because it would have been one of those uncanny valley things where something just looks like. And it would have been distracting. It would have been distracting. Unsettling. Totally bad. They may have done it and cut it. Who knows? That's fair. Uh, they may have had an actor who they thought could pull this off. Okay, he's going to be in the scene, and here we're going to show him. And it didn't work. I'm not sure. I think that was like a risk-averse decision by Ben Affleck and the rest of the people making this film that you know this they were safer going this way. I just really thought that there was there came a point where I naturally wanted to see him. And it was at the end. We all did. It wasn't at the end. Excuse me. It was at the end. It wasn't like, like, oh, I wanted this big reveal. I want it to be him as deep faked. And I want none of that. I just, as an audience goer, wanted to, okay, this is, it's time now. I felt it. I I could feel it. Sure. This is, this is when you reveal him. That payoff. And then they didn't. And I, I, it felt a little empty. At least we got clips. (laughs) <laughs> no, that was awesome. Yeah. No, again, dude, I love this The movie. montage clips have made me, that, for me, filled that gap of Thro- seeing that. and that, Throwing in the VHS tapes and... And then the like mic and everything. No, that was, like that was amazing. Those, those things, those clips filled that gap of not seeing him portrayed in the movie and seeing the nostalgia there filled that void for me. My favorite part of this whole movie was Matt Damon's speech at the end. When he cuts off the marketing video, it's terrible, it's bombing, and he just gets real. With Michael, okay? Yep. That's my favorite part of the movie, but it's not because of the speech, although that could stand alone. I could see high school acting students right now, when they got to do a monologue every semester, I could see them picking Mm -hmm. that one, okay? It's really great. It's 
the directing of the old clips when he's talking about you're going to win championships and they show him winning a championship. Mm-hmm. You're going to climb that mountain and you're going to crash real hard and like they show the clips of his dad dying, right? Like the yeah. real newspaper clips of that. You're going to face adversity and they show him in the dugout at the Birmingham Barons game playing mm-hmm. baseball. He drops a ball. You know That directing, that inclusion of those clips while he's talking about these things you're going to do, whether he really said that crap or not, it was great storytelling. I bought every Love word. It. it was awesome. Actually, I thought the last few minutes of the movie were probably the best parts of the movie. Yeah, Jim enjoyed the end because he I, could get up. Yeah, it was, it was time to leave. <laughs> no, I uh, and, and I do like to see the title cards at the end, black screen, white type, telling me what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we actually had that and we had, you know, Matt Damon basically showing us and talking about all those things and then showing the real life thing. So, I mean, those things I think were good. I think they, I mean, I learned a lot. It was interesting. It was interestingly told more than the rest of the movie for me. Um, So I agree. I thought that was great. All right, it's time for scores on air. Jeremy K. Gover, what'd you give it? It's not hard to see the natural chemistry between Affleck and Damon on screen, even though, as I said earlier, I have a hard time seeing past the fact that it's Ben Affleck as Phil Knight. I did not see Phil Knight. I saw Ben Affleck in a wig and bad 80s clothes. Okay. So, but, but despite that, if you just, if I take that out of it, it, their natural chemistry together, firing away at each other, talking, whatever it may be, it's natural. And I love that when two actors or three, whatever, can find a pocket, right? Whether they're mm-hmm. good friends or not, if they when they find that pocket, it you can feel it. Sure. And I can feel it with those two. Again, I had a hard time not seeing Ben Affleck, and I took points off for that. That's a big part of it. He's not a side character, a kind of throwaway character. He is the CEO of Nike in this movie that is making the decisions on what the budget he's going to get. He's the one that employs all these people. He's talking mm-hmm. about how they started the business from his trunk. And he used to take risks, and now he doesn't take risks anymore when he's got to deal with the board. Like, all these scenes, and he's, that's Ben Affleck up there. I could not, yeah, I could not get past it. Uh, Chris Tucker was a shining star for me. Matt Damon was a shining star, but for other reasons, like we talked about. And I still think I have a problem with not seeing Michael Jordan at the end. How Um, much did that take off the score? Probably a half a point. Not much, but just, it's, it's enough of an omission but I haven't been talked out of why it's important. Okay. Put it that way. Okay. So then, but the Ben Affleck one, that's a big one. I lose. It's a whole point for that because it, I can't get past one of the lead characters. I mean, come on, it, it takes me <laughs> out of the movie. So in the day, uh, all that being said, I think it's still one of the best movies of the year so far. I, yes, I know it's April and it's early, but we've seen some good ones, nothing phenomenal, but definitely good. But I think it's one of the best movies of the year so far, but I'm giving it an 8.0. Oh, big score from the nitpicker. Not Love bad. you, Gover. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I love you as well. Okay. Thank you. Jim. It's time for me to just pour a big bucket of water on that. That's all right. We don't all have to agree. <laughs> Not a water. He's pouring some dookie. Let's <laughs> <laughs> call it Gatorade. Let's just keep the sports better. Oh, nice. Going. Oh. All right. So uh, I really think Ben Affleck does a pretty good job at directing movies. I, you know, admire him. He does a great job with era movies, and he did it again here. I think he took what was, for me, 
a difficult premise to sell that for a lot of people are going to go like, oh, as soon as they heard the idea of this movie, they thought, oh, this is going to be great. I did not. Okay, so I think he worked with not a great premise and did a pretty good job with it. I also couldn't see most of the characters outside of their real actor personas. I think the soundtrack helped move it forward a lot, maybe even to using it as a crutch. But I will say it was <laughs> got a not, heavy eye roll over here. Oh, I know. I'm I'm just getting the lasers from Justin Bradford's <laughs> eyes are boring into me right now. But uh, I just don't love it, and I'm going to give it a six point five. Oh, well, that's not terrible. Yeah, I know. You I was expecting I was, a sub five. Actually. No, I, I, you know, no, it, it, it has respectability. I, I just just don't think they had a a, a premise that that engaged me or or had real drama to it. So that's that's all I can give it. Justin Bradford score air. Man, I was just ready to. Like, into him. I was waiting. I was waiting for it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, 6.5. I didn't mind. It was okay. Uh, I like to keep you guessing. Yeah. yeah. The way you sold it, though, Jim, was like, I thought it was trash. <laughs> I thought you were forky over there. Never said that. Never <laughs> said it. Implied. Check the tape. <laughs> I, as, as I said before, I thought the movie was great. I think it is easily one of my favorite movies of the year. I think it has the possibility of having some nominations. Uh, come from it as well. I think it will. Um, easily for me, best ensemble cast. I just, I love the overall casting so much. Agree with the Ben Affleck part in terms of the acting, but the directing part, the cinematography, I love the storytelling they yep. did with this. All those little bits and pieces of nostalgia. I love how the soundtrack worked with the movie and didn't use it as a crutch. Needed it. By the way, it's hard for me to say that the soundtrack was so great when it's all. It's just the 80s greatest hits album. It is. I understand that they use certain songs in certain scenes. To right. I get that. But it's like, let's, okay, let's but, calm but, down. But it's think, think existing about music it. that everyone knows already. Okay, okay. And, and, and if you're familiar with it, you probably love it. Right. Yeah. I was just waiting for the moment when I was going to hear Sirius by the Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> and when I tell you, my arms went in the air. <laughs> and I am saying under my breath, number 23, Michael Jordan! <laughs> and everyone was there with me. I loved it. Because I'm so glad you actually named the real artist, because I've met so many people who said, oh, you know, Bulls music. It's not... It's not the artist! It's the Alec Parsons Project, and the name of it is Sirius. They did use it in Bulls games, but... That's not who it is. And the fact that that intro song has stood the test of time for them as an organization mm -hmm. is fantastic because that song, because of what you just said, Jim, is synonymous with the Chicago Bulls now. Yep. Yeah. Like, it is completely synonymous with the Chicago Bulls. Well, that was my introduction to it. Yeah. yeah. Growing up in that era, I didn't yeah. you know. I don't know who the Alan Parsons Project was. Right. I eventually did, but right. I didn't know at the time. Right. So, like, using things in the right moment, I absolutely love that. I love so many of the quotes that we got in this, these little, these one-liners these quotes like, a shoe's just a shoe until someone puts their foot in it. And then Dolores Jordan saying, a shoe's just a shoe until my son steps into it. Yeah. Whoa. The, the, the awareness of the, of the quotes that they put in for Viola Davis to deliver, and because it's Viola Davis, loved it even more. And the, the, the way that knowledge is being dropped, whether 100% accurate or not, puts you into the movie of, it won't be the NBA promoting my son, it will be the other way around, yeah. which is 100% God's honest truth. And it's a mic drop. Yep. Yeah, the mic drop. No, no. Michael and, Jordan is going to be prone to the NBA, yeah. not the other way around. 
So I love all these types of lines that we got from so many of these characters. Again, from Dolores Jordan, you eat, we eat. That's all he's asking. And how that puts perspective into things for me. And that's what I loved with the writing, the screenplay, is these little lines like this delivered so much in the movie for me to enjoy it and to put in perspective of where they're coming from on the Jordan family side and then the marketing side. And then again, just the interaction between everybody a little bit higher than Gover on this. I'm going 8.5. Wow. Just a nudge. Just a nudge. Smidge. But I'm um, Gover and I being just kind of with each other here. It's, it's throwing me off. Know, it's kind of like, I need to reevaluate my priorities. No, 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 no. I'm you, loving this. You are the Matt up, up, Damon up, up, up. and Ben Affleck of, you know, movie review podcasts. It's time for the big question. And the big question is, so with Air and Michael Jordan and his signing the shoe deal that changed sports forever and endorsements forever, what athlete and or sports moment would you like to see a biopic of? All right. Here's where I'm going to throw you another curveball. Ooh. Because I was inspired to want to know and see a story portrayed with Sonny Vaccaro as the main character again, what they alluded to at the end, which is he changed college athlete Mm -hmm. sports representation forever. To me, even more compelling, college athletes, how they've been used by the college athletic system. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that got them the ability to actually make money from their own likeness and however they were used in video games or whatever uh it to me that's a story that i would like to see and i bet you it's just as impactful to a bunch of people as this was for michael jordan and a few select great athletes sequel yeah especially right now yeah with image and likeness being the talk of everything in college athletics yeah. It would really be important right now for that movie to drop. Yeah. So I, I would like to know more about that. So here's the movie I you said I said was trash, but I didn't. But uh, <laughs> I said it, implied. it did pique my interest uh, watching the end of this movie and say, oh, that's the same guy who actually, you know, made strides for college athletes. I want to see how he did that. Pretty cool. Jim, Jim gave the movie a... 6.5, which is also 65, which that movie was trash. Therefore, <laughs> nice reach. <laughs> You're just still trying to defend, putting the, words in my mouth. That's not defending. I'm trying to attack with Keep nothing. Keep your words out of my mouth. <laughs> okay, so me being overall a hockey fan, there's a story about these five Russian players that defected to the NHL from, from Russia, mm-hmm. left the Soviet Union to go play for the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. In a dangerous time. Very yes, dangerous in time the world. during the Cold War. Now, there's been a fantastic, fantastic documentary on this called The Russian, the Russian Five. five. Uh, director is Joshua Real. He, he went over to Russia to, to Sergei Fedorov. He interviewed so many different of these athletes. But I'd love to see more of a dramatic take on this to see just what had to happen for them to defect. And we're talking middle of the night having to leave when you had the American teams playing the Soviet teams and sneak into a car or show up at a door. And this is stuff that really happened. Show up at a doorstep with a bag of cash saying, please come with me. Or here's the keys 
to a brand new vehicle drive and defect now. That type of stuff. Or having one of the players, Vladimir Konstantino, being a part of the Soviet army. So many stories within these five Russians. And what happens if they get caught? Yes. Possible death. And to them, to their families. And their mm-hmm. families. So having to defect with themselves and their families from the Soviet Union, I think this would create a fantastic story that would that needs to be dramatized for the big screen, because especially now with what we see going on in the political spectrum of the world, I think this would be a very compelling sports story to tell. Yes. And, and how that led to so many years of dominance for the Red Wings, because they broke barriers because people in the NHL would not draft Russians because they saw it as a as a wasted pick. And you see Detroit trying to rebuild after decades of being one of the worst sports teams in the NHL or just in all of sports. They start taking these risks, and it turns into eventually a dynasty, a dynasty, and yeah. championships. So I think it'd be a very compelling story to tell. I love to see it told in a dramatized version. Just don't let the people who worked on Tetris streaming on Apple right now, because that is also you know about uh, getting people uh, <laughs> at the end of the Soviet Union's era and how dangerous that was, and they blew it. So. As long as those people aren't working on it, I think that's a great <laughs> so movie. So they stacked Justin. wrong when it came to playing the game. Yeah, they did. They just kept on pressing the down arrow and holding it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was no rotating at all. <laughs> Mr. Gover. So I'm going Tim Donahue, the NBA official who got caught betting on games. I think you could Ooh. make a really compelling drama with some, not spycraft because they're not spies, you just said every day, but you know, that kind of shadiness. Yeah. Right, saying like, "Hey, well, you know, you go place this bet for me. Do this, criminal you know, yeah. underground, and then stuff. and then I'm going to try to throw this call. Where does he throw calls? Where does he try to, you know, what other mm. games were affected that weren't reported? Like that, that he wasn't caught in. Like was he yeah. always trying to do this? How much money did he? Like what did that do to his family? How did that affect his job? Did he lose any sleep? All these things are on the table, and it seems like a perfect plot to a movie. This well respected NBA official." who gambles on games that he's a part of and then throws the game to uh, tries to throw the game based on whatever his wager is. I think you could really and make it televised while he does it. Yes. To, you know, a large audience. Yes. I, I think you could really make something special out of that. You could also screw it up, but I think it would be, compe- <laughs> it'd be compelling at least. This has been the untitled film project podcast. We've talked about Air and the sports movie we'd love to see. Uh, what is the sports movie you'd love to see? How terrible was my take on Air? Because I'm sure it's coming, and I invite it. Let's have a talk about it. Let's sit down and have some tea about it, okay? Uh, you can contact us all through uh, you know the Untitled Film Project podcast. Uh, we also have individual handles on Twitter. We're very easily accessible. I am Jim Chandler, 107.5. Jeremy Gover at It's Gover Time. Justin B. Bradford at Justin B. Bradford. How creative. It's good branding, I suppose. But we're still have to work on his attitude closing out the show. I don't I know. Suppose. It's it's I so suppose. like beneath you to close the show. Every show. Hey, you know what? You can go to our social media. You click that little link. There we go. And that's how you're going to find all the places you can subscribe to us and all the places you can find and interact with us. Go do it. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association.
Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.